Okay. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we just love you this morning. We give you praise on this morning. We thank you for all that you do. We thank you for what you've done for us, oh God. Thank you for this class, oh God. Thank you for this, the word that is going to go forth, that's going to be taught this morning, oh God. I pray that you ready me, Lord, to say the things that you say with clarity and with precision this morning, oh God. Give us all ears to hear what you have to say to us, God. We give you glory. We give you praise this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, so um, we're going to continue with the teaching series that we've been in for a while now. It's the first ministry teaching series, and for those disappointing clarity, what that actually means is that... Um, it's, it's our duty, it's our responsibility to minister to ourselves and to our families, our households, before we can minister to anybody else. And the principle of that comes from Acts chapter 1, verse 8. If um, You can just write that down if, you, if you're taking notes. Um, when Jesus, before Jesus ascends to the Father, he says to the disciples that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So Jerusalem to them was like local. So what he's saying, in other words, is that we have to take care of ourselves, amen, and our families, our household, before we can minister to anybody else, mm -hmm. all right? And so in keeping with that, that theme, the topic that, that we're going to talk about is stress and stress management, okay? And I think that, um, that stress... Is, is a very important topic to me. Is um, it, it, it can be a broad topic because it's something that everybody has to deal with. Doesn't matter who you are, where you come from. If you are on the face of this earth, you have to deal with some type of stress. And we know from the book of John, uh, from reading John, we talk about we talk about this particular scripture all the time. In this world, there will be trouble. All right, so. Um, you're gonna to have to deal with stress. The problem that we have as human beings, all of us, is that not everybody has the tools necessary to deal with stress. And if you don't have the, the proper tools, if you don't deal with the stresses of life that happen every day in, in the right way, it can go into anxiety disorders, and you can end up being in a depression hole. So this is a very important topic that, um, that we're gonna deal with today. Um, and I would go for, I would say this too, that you can't be an effective Christian. You cannot be an effective believer or do what God would have you to do if you can't handle the stress in your life. It's, it's virtually impossible because when you can't handle stress, that means everyone has to minister to you and you won't fulfill what God would have you to do. So. Uh, I say that, and, and this is going to be the big idea for this morning, is that we need both spiritual and practical solutions mm -hmm. to effectively manage stress in our lives. That's you can write that down. We need both spiritual and practical at, at the same time, all right? And to help us with that discussion, we're going we're gonna to essentially uh, answer three questions. You know, we don't have a whole lot of time. We're going to do three questions. The first thing we're going to talk about is what is the definition of stress? What does that mean? What's the definition of it? The second thing, 
what does the psychiatric or the mental health community have to say about stress? What do they have to say about it? And then finally, we're going to dig into the word. We're going to talk about what the Bible has to say about how we should deal with stress and stress management. All right, and then we're going to be done after that. So we're going to start off with what is the definition of stress? Easy enough question. Can anybody take a stab at that? Can anybody tell me or tell everybody? What, what does stress mean? What, what's the definition of it? Anybody? To be, for me, it would be, uh, uh, what is it? Overwhelmed. Oh, overwhelmed. Anybody else? The definition, what does stress mean to you? Stress to me um, means we uh, burden with life issues to the point that you see no way out. Here's the, um, here's the basic definition of stress. The basic definition, if you take a notes, you can write this down. Stress is external pressure that causes physical, mental, or emotional strain. I'm gonna say that again. Stress is external pressure that causes physical, mental, or emotional strain. And notice I said basic because that definition is not complete until you talk about all the different types of stress that, that we have. And there's four different types of stress that, that we're gonna deal with, we're gonna talk about today, amen. The first one is eustress. Now eustress, that type of stress, now remember I said um, the basic definition is physical, mental, emotional strain. Eustress, is, it has positive connotations. Eustress is something you know, in your daily life, right, that, um, that has a positive outcome. You just had a baby, amen. Um, you get a promotion on your job, you won the lottery. You know, I want you to think, don't, don't think that all stress is negative because it's not. All stress is not negative. You stress has positive things or positive outcomes that come out of it, all right? Graduation is another one, all right? The second one, is called acute stress, and that's spelled A-C-U-T-E, acute stress. Now, this type of stress happens, remember, all of these are gonna affect you physically, mentally, and emotional, all at the same time. Acute stress is when, this is a fight or flight type of stress. This means that um, this is the stress that you're under when your life is in danger. You, you, um, you, you are like this, and your body just tightens up. You know what I'm saying? That, that's acute stress. It's, it's, it's either you're gonna fight for your life or you're gonna run. That's the type of stress that's, and it affects you in all three of those different ways. That's acute stress. And the third one is chronic stress. Now this type of stress, chronic stress, is stuff that we deal with on a daily basis. Amen. This is, this is stress. Um, you have bills to pay, you know, something like that, or there's something going, going on with your children, you know, and that, you know, doesn't change when they get out of the house. How many of y'all have grown kids like, like me? Yeah, y'all probably know better than me because I'm still just, I mean, when they left the house, it was just like, oh my God, I just, you know, I'm sitting down, talking to them, they come to me for advice. 
and everything, and they said, nah, Dad, I'm still going to do it my way. That's, that's stressful. That, that's, that's stressful. You can't just, and it, it's hard because you know they're going down the wrong path, but you can't really, you know, you know my, my, my daughter's 25, my son is 28. You can't really tell them. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's chronic stress. Stuff that go, goes on at your job, the stress that you have on your job, you know, that's, that is uh, considered chronic stress. And the thing about that is if, if you don't have the tools necessary, if you don't have what is required to be able to deal with that, then it can affect you in, in harsher ways, other, you know, more than just your mind. You know, um, stress can affect your body as well, organs in your body. I don't want to go too deep into that because that's really, that's really another discussion. But just know that any type of one, any one of these stresses that we're going to talk about can affect your body, right? And the last one we're going to deal with is called distress. Distress is, is stuff that happens in your daily life that has a negative connotation. You know, you just got divorced or you're being punished or somebody dies in your, in your family. That is, that's distress. Amen. And the thing about all of these, like, like I keep saying, like, it, like I keep telling y'all, is that any one of these different types of stresses uh, can either draw you closer to Christ or it can push you away. Depending on how you handle the stress, it's, it can either draw you closer or, you know, sometimes it can put you in a depression hole that you, it seems like you can't get out of. So tools are absolutely necessary to be able to deal with, with the stress. Amen. So with that being said, what does the mental health community have to say? What do they have to say about how we should deal, how we should manage the stress in our lives? And some of y'all might be asking, why are we even talking about mental health? You know, is this the church? And um, you know, why are we even talking? Somebody, y'all might ask that. And the answer to that is something that we've been talking about for weeks. Y'all know the scripture in James, you know, faith without works is dead. You know, we understand perfectly that if we get a, a bad report from the doctor, you go to the doctor and they say you got, let's say it's pre-diabetes, right? You go there and they tell you that uh, if you don't change your diet, then guess what? You're gonna go into a deeper level of diabetes. You're gonna have some real issues. You know, yeah, you, you come to God and, and you pray, yes. Always seek God, always seek the kingdom first. You always do that. Right, but you're gonna change your diet too. It's the same thing with mental health. When we understand those other physical attributes, right, those other, you know, other physical things we know we gotta change, but when it comes to mental health, guess what? One of the most important parts of your body is, is your mind, right? You, we have to take care of our physical health. We gotta we got do what is necessary. Um, get counseling, see a therapist. You know, don't be like, don't be like me, because <laughs> I was, I'll tell y'all a little story. I don't want to be too long, because we don't have that much time. But I was diagnosed with PTSD in, in 2012, right? And um, my, my PTSD was connected to the time I spent in the Army. I was, 
I joined the Army at age 17 in 1988, and I was in, uh, I retired from the Army Reserves in 2010. That's like 22 years. So there's a lot of things that happened in that time period. Desert Storm, Somalia, a couple of different other um, deployments. And there were some other different events that happened outside of, of the um, combat zone, the combat area that happened that I was a part of. And um, yeah, when, when they diagnosed me, they were able to you know, listen to what I was saying, you know, ask me a bunch of pointed questions, and they were able to directly link some events that happened, you know, in, in my military career. The, the problem, you know, I was in the Army, but you know, I can't really speak for the Navy and Marine Corps, but here's, here's a problem with the Army. It's probably a lot different now, than, now that I'm out, but there was a negative connotation attached to saying that you're hurt. To saying, you know, because I was, when I was in the Army, I was, in, I was a paratrooper at first. I was in the 82nd Airborne Division, right? That's one of the most, you know, next to the Special Forces, that was one of the most elite units in, in the whole Army, the 82nd Airborne Division. And, you know, they, they, they tell you that, um, well, it's, it's like an unwritten rule. Don't go on sick call. You heard, uh, unless you've been shot or something like that, or, you know, you, you know, you got something wrong, something visibly wrong, don't go. You know, that's not an excuse today because uh, during that whole period, period of time, that's the time that my kids, we're growing up in the 90s and in the early 2000s. And, you know, I began to see not only did the symptoms that I had got worse, not only did that happen, but I began to see as I got older, they, they began to show me my reflection. Yeah. Right? And, and, and it, you know, really hurt them. And that's when I decided, well, actually, it was her. It's her fault. She made me go. <laughs> <laughs> she made me go. <laughs> But um, <laughs> I, I say I say that be, you know because PTSD is post-traumatic stress disorder. It, it is not specific to no. the military. No. It is not. Yeah. It is absolutely not. How many of how many of y'all? You know I don't want to hear stories. You don't have to tell me stories. How many of y'all have been to anything traumatic in your in your life? A lot. A lot of people, right? And um, so it, it is possible that you might have. You know, a mild form of PTSD. Yeah. It's a car accident. I, I learned that I also had it when we started going to counseling. Mm -hmm. That it revealed that me and him suffered from it. Mm -hmm. So us together <laughs> didn't know yeah, that there was a problem, and it 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 made everything ten times worse. So it is really good to have a counselor and to be able to pull pull yourself back as an onion. That's what they say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Right. So, um, yeah, if you've been through anything traumatic—a car accident, um, well, you know, unfortunately, you know, something happened with relatives or whatever, whatever the case may be—you uh, need you, you you need to go see a professional help. Definitely professional. Now, what I want to share with y'all um, is this: as a result of my PTSD, I had to go to counseling. It was mandatory. I get all of my health care through the VA. And what I'm going to share with you, it comes from the VA. Now, what's, what is specific to PTSD is different, right? Um, I don't want to go deep, deep into that because I don't want this 
class to be about me. Definitely don't want, want that. But um, if you have PTSD, they tell you that um, that you that you need to actually attack the the, the, the whatever is causing the stress. You have to, you, you can't avoid it. The last thing you should do is avoid that. You need to confront it face on. But um, what we're gonna talk about today is steps to how to manage stress in everyday life. And there's four of them. There's more, but I'm just gonna talk about four because we have limited time. Amen. So the first one, and this is this is uh, again, this comes from the um, the VA hospital, you know, the program that I was in. But it's still the mental health community, and all of all all of the principles may be the same. So you can write these down as as I say. There's four of them. The first one is reorganize. They want you to do what they tell you. In order to reduce the stress in your life, you have to reorganize your life. Right? You have to develop um, healthy eating habits. You have to um, exercise, you know, healthy diet and exercise. Because remember, stress affects your physical body. So you have to do whatever it takes Amen. To um, take care of your body. Right? So reorganize is the first one. Second one is rethink. You should always try to dwell on the positive things. You know, there's, there's always a silver lining. Everything that happens negative, we can always flip it into a positive. You know, the military, we say things like adapt and overcome. We say um, embrace the hardship. You have to you have to be able to deal. You have to rethink. Most of it is in your mind. So you've got to be able to rethink. All right, the third one is reduce. In order to manage the stress in your life, you have to reduce. You have to get to balance. You know, Don't put too much on your plate. Make sure that you, have, that you balance everything out. You know, when I think of, think of that, the first thing I think of is, is Bishop. When we first came to the marketplace in 2011, me, me and my wife, we first came here. One of the first things I noticed about Bishop is that he was a hard worker. I mean, he wasn't Bishop then, but I can remember he did, he did everything. You come to the service, Bishop was on the praise team, was singing tenor, you know, obviously preaching the message. You know, he did the, um, the giving, he did the invocation, he did the benediction. I mean, it literally, Bishop was doing everything. And not only that, he was still doing stuff for Bishop Logan at, at the same time for, for Newham. You know, he taught Wednesday night um, Bible study, and he also, you, you, what, um, what Daphne is doing now with the, um, the preacher-teacher classes, he was doing that back then. And it wasn't just for the marketplace or Newman. It was for anybody who wanted to come. You know, he was doing all of that. And, you know, thank God he's better now. And one of the things that he said, he had a, a meeting one time. One of the things he said that kind of stuck out to me was he just said, I can't do all of it. Right. I, I just can't do all of it. And um, he's a lot better. You know, it's, it's because of all the great elders that we have here, y'all um, step up and, and y'all take some of the load. You know, the meeting that we had yesterday, I, I, I believe, I don't know if y'all was paying attention, y'all probably were, but I mean, he echoed some of those same sentiments 
you know, that he shouldn't have to do our jobs. Yeah. If, if Bishop has to come down and teach this, Sunday start, there's something wrong. All right. So um, I applaud all the elders in the house that, um, that are stepping up and, and doing that. Because uh, you, you, you have to get to balance, you know, not just in the church, but in, in your private life. That's the don't, truth. Don't put too much on your plate, you know. Um, every morning, I, I tell, tell my wife every morning before she goes. She goes to work before I do. I, I tell her, what do I tell you? <laughs> don't, don't do too much. Because she, she has a servant heart. She wants to. She wants to fix it all the time. That's and why so, me and you get along. <laughs> and I, 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 I gotta tell you, don't just don't do too much. Just do what you're supposed to do. Don't put too much on your plate. That is the um, the message there. And then the last one we're gonna deal with is relax. Mm -hmm. Just relax. You know, try the deep breathing techniques. I do it all the time. Breathe in through your nose, out your mouth. Whenever the situation gets bad, whenever it gets tough, circumstances come your way that, that are negative, just, you know, do the breathing techniques, listen to calm music. You need to just take time from away, just time for yourself, just to, um, just to breathe again, you know what I'm saying? Though that is what they have to say, and, and the, you know, these are really good, some really good tips that they give you in the mental health community. All right, so what does the Bible have to say? What are biblical solutions to, uh, to stress management? Right. And uh, when I was studying this, when I was looking at the different things the Bible has to say, here's, here's what I noticed. Right? Because stress is so common, you know, and stress management is common to every man. You can go from Genesis to Revelation, and you can find all kinds of stories about stress management. It's, it's, it's that broad. We, we can be here for weeks and months talking about you know, stress management in, in the Bible. I can talk about Joe, Daniel, um, David, anybody in, in Scripture. Um, but instead of jumping around different Scriptures, you know, I'd rather just stick with one and just focus completely on that. And the one that I focused on is, uh, is the Apostle Paul. It's very familiar, and that's why I picked it, because it's familiar to a lot of Philippians. So um, if you would, turn to Philippians chapter 4, if, if you would. And um, because Paul went through a lot of stress. He went through a lot of stuff. Amen. And, um, if you would, if, if you're taking notes, um, write this down. Write 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 2 Corinthians 11, 25 to 29. This tells you exactly what Paul went through. Right. It says that, that he was beaten many times, he was stoned, when he went on those ministry, uh, the missionary journeys, there was always danger, not only from the Romans and, and the Gentiles, but also from the Jews, his own, his own people. There was always danger. And it's, it's interesting because when he wrote the book of Philippians, right, he was locked up. He was in jail when he wrote this letter. 
right? And he was writing to the church in Philippi because they was going through some things too. They were fighting amongst each other. And in addition to that, they, these people were surrounded by enemies. So they had some stressful times. They, they went through some times. And he's giving them some, some tips and some pointers here. And I think that when we read Philippians, this, this is very familiar to a lot of us. Go ahead and um, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4. We're going to begin at verse 4 and we go up all the way to uh, verse 9. And, you know, this is very familiar to a lot of us. And I think that um, the last two um, Sunday Star classes that we had, this particular scripture was referenced a couple times. Because I think what was the topic? Anxiety and depression. We talked about both of those. Yeah, so um, we're going to try to slow walk this if God will. We got time. All right, so Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. It says this Rejoice in the Lord when? Always. Always. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Now, when you look at verse 4, rejoice when you are rejoicing in the Lord always. You are doing so whether it's good times or bad times, whether, whether um, there's negativity or positivity, always, right? And when you think about that, what are you doing? What is on your mind when you rejoice in the Lord? You're thinking about how good God is, right? You're thinking about what he's done. Right? That is a stress reliever right there. Just, just that. Just reflecting on his goodness. That is, that is a huge stress reliever, especially in difficult times, especially when times get hard. That is a stress reliever. And for those of us who are in the household, those of us who are in Christ, we should know that better than anybody else. We should know. Right? You know? We should, be, we should be the most joyous people on earth. That's right. We should have all types of joy. Why? Because um, above everybody else, we, we, know, we, know, we know the word, right? We know that, that the Lord will never leave us nor forsake us. We know that he'll supply all our needs. We know that, um, that he's a God who can't lie. And guess what? Most of all, he's a God that keeps promises. Yes, he, right? he keeps his promises. So what do you have to worry about? I mean... You, you should be rejoicing. The problem, here's the problem that we have. The problem is that when the, circ when the bad circumstance comes, when that, when that horrible situation comes, we just forget. That's right. We forget about how good God is. We forget what he's done. We, we have amnesia all, all the time. We, we forget <laughs> that um, it, it's almost like, you know, we think that, that the problem that we have is too bad. It's too much for God. It's too much. I mean, just because it's too much for you doesn't mean it's too much for God, right? So we forget that. And, and the thing is, the thing is that when we decide to trust God, right, when we, when we decide to do that, when we decide to rejoice anyway, right, all that worry and stuff, that it seems to diminish. Yeah. You know, I don't know about you, but for me, you know, I've been there plenty of times. You know, it just seems to diminish. So that... Just, just rejoicing and just reflecting on how good God is. That is stressful to you. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. 
Let your gentle spirit. Now, this is another stress reliever. Right here. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. Why? If when you look at the Greek word um, that's used here in this, in this text for gentle, let me tell you what that word means. It means um, it means a spirit or an attitude that does not seek to retaliate. It means to show mercy, it means to show tolerance. It means to do what is right or what is fitting, right? And it says be gentle towards others. So when, even when people don't deserve it, right? When they've done you wrong, be gentle towards others. The problem that we have is that we always defensive. Whenever somebody do, do you wrong, the first thing you do, you're, you're defensive all the time. You know, and when I think of this, Right here, how many of y'all, um, this just happened this year, how many, how many of y'all were following the story, me and my wife was following the story about um, the Dallas, a white female Dallas cop? Y'all remember that? She went into um, a black man's oh, apartment, she yeah. thought it was her apartment, yeah. and she went in there and killed the guy. Did y'all watch the trial? Did y'all see what happened at the trial? Mm -mm. Y'all didn't see what happened? About the guy forgiving him. Yeah, the, oh, yeah. the, the, the brother. Yeah, well, see, the brother, here's, here's what happened. The brother. I don't know if I would be ready for all that. He was, he, he was on the witness stand. They already um, convicted him, right? I think yeah. this was the sentencing trial. We saw it. Um, me and, we were laying in our bed watching it. And um, he was on the stand. And he said, the thing that stuck out to me, he said to the woman that killed his brother, he said, that uh, I forgive you, right? I don't feel the same way that that my family feels. Yes. I forgive you. Now, and he got a lot, there was a lot of chatter about that on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, talking about that, giving him a lot of flack. People, people said that, yeah. you know, I wouldn't be, you know, personally, I probably had a problem too, yeah. you know, personally. <laughs> but um, that kind of stuck out to me and, um, because not only is this, is, this is an example of forgiveness, mm -hmm. but just think about the stress that he doesn't have right. because he decided to forgive, right. you know. Just, just think about that. Compare, compare him to one of his other family members that didn't, weren't able to forgive, right? His stress is gone, because why? Because he was gentle mm -hmm. towards others, especially in those difficult times. Amen. Be anxious. This is the, the, the part that we always quote. Be anxious for nothing. This is uh, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known. Now, be anxious for nothing. That's another stress reliever. That is another powerful stress reliever. When you choose, when you decide that you're not going to worry anymore, that is a powerful stress reliever. You know, the issue with, with that for us is that I think it's human nature to worry. Mm -hmm. it, it, it absolutely is. It's, it's like ingrained in us that we worry about, about everything. You know, Jesus actually addressed this, the Sermon on the Mount. You can write this down. This is, um, you can go back and read it, Matthew Chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Matthew 6, 
25 through 34. This is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, right? And he addresses the, um, the, um, the faulty human condition that we always find ourselves in. If you read through that, you know, it, he actually addresses each one of the things that that particular audience was always worried about. You know, if you read through that, I, I wrote down a list. It says, um, the first thing he addresses is that they worry about physical attributes, right? What you look like. They worry about getting old, what's gonna happen in the future. Obviously worry about death. You know, what clothes you're gonna wear and what you're gonna eat. Now, and when, you, when you look at that, that's the same thing we worry about. You know, Jesus addressed that 2,000 years ago. So we have, we absolutely have that in common with, with the biblical people of that day because we were about the same exact thing. Amen? So when you keep reading in Matthew, what does Jesus tell them in that situation? What does he say? Jesus says, seek God first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added. All the stuff that you worry about is going to be added. So how do we seek God? How do we do that? Now, the Apostle Paul is echoing what Jesus said here in this text. He's echoing. It's not the same exact words, but it's the same principle, right? When you seek God first, what do you do? What do you do? Prayer and supplication, right? Prayer and supplication. What's supplication? Supplication, you're, you're asking God what you have need of. You're asking God what you're worried about, right? You know, he's not a God that's going to get tired of hearing from you. He's not, he wants to hear from you. He wants, because here's the thing, what you worry about is different than what I worry about. It's, it's different. You know, my words are completely different than yours. You know, God wants to hear what you have to say, right? That's, that's how we seek God, through prayer and, and through supplication. Amen? And verse 7, and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So that peace that, that Paul is talking about, that peace, it only, it only happens if you're a prayerful person. If, if, you know, the more prayer you have, the more peace you have. You know, that's how, that's how it works. And guard, when, you use, when, I, when I think about guard, Right, because I'm a military person, you know, I, I think about, I think of it in military context, because that is really a military word. And when I think about that, um, I think about, you know, a defensive perimeter. Like when you guard something in the military, it's you guard, like you put it, you put it like in a big circle, right, which we call a perimeter. And with that perimeter, You've got some. You've got some other protections included in that. You know, outside of the perimeter, you have. You might have barriers. You might have um, early warning devices set up. You know what I'm saying? Using the military, you know what I'm talking about, yeah. right? And um, um, you know, you um, identify the avenues of approach, the most likely avenues of approach that the enemies are going to come down. There's a road right here. You're gonna put your big guns down the avenues of approach, right? 
So uh, when I think about that, that's what the peace of God does, right? The, um, the most likely, what if you, if you, you know, as, as y'all sitting down, just think about some of your triggers that might trigger your peace. Yes. Think about that. Okay. That's, what's what's going to stop your, what's going to stop you from having peace, right? That's what, that's what being a prayerful person does. It, it guards your mind and it guards your heart from anything that will stop you from having peace. All right. So let's keep reading. Let's keep reading this. We're going to actually go to first, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Now what? What is Paul talking about here? Dwell on these things. What are they talking about? If you look at it, these, everything that he's saying here, true, honorable, right, these are character traits. These are all character traits that a believer should have, right? Not only should you dwell and think on those things, you should also practice them. Amen. So, and when you do that, when you dwell on those things and you practice them, what you are doing is you are creating an environment for peace, right? So, so you're doing all these things to create environment of peace. It's, it's not enough just to just to pray and you know have be this prayerful person to pray about everything. You also have to think the right things too. Amen. And that thinking creates an environment. Creates a peaceful environment for you to live. No matter what happens in your life, you have this peaceful environment. Right, so I ask the question: What do y'all think about? Right, what What do you think about when you have difficult times? What are some of the things that you think about? Is that something we need to work on, or are we good now? All right. So here's all the here's the takeaways. Here's a takeaway from this particular passage. You have to do three things in order to effectively manage the stress in your life. In order to effectively do it, there's three things that you have to do. There's three things you must do. Number one, rejoice always. Always rejoice in every situation, especially in the stressful times, especially when it gets hard. Number two, you have to be gentle towards others, especially when they don't deserve it. Even when they don't deserve you to be gentle. And the last one, don't worry about anything. You, know, you have to trust, this is a trust issue. Trust God and, and believe God because he said it. Right? Always trust in, in the peace of God. Here's the thing about the, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Everything, that those three things, the world does not understand it. That's not understandable, right? It's, it's the peace of God that causes you to rejoice always and be gentle towards others and not. It's the peace of God that does that. How do you get this peace? Through prayer and supplication. That's how you get the peace of God, through prayer and supplication. And not only that, that same peace guards your heart. 
you know, the, the stressful situations that, that you might run into, right, is it, guarded because of the peace. Because you have become this prayerful person and you pray about everything. Amen? So what is Paul really saying? What, what is he saying? What's the big picture in, in all of this? You know, I, I mentioned that you define stress, uh, stress management just by every book. You know, Paul is not saying anything different than, than what you find in the Old Testament or, in, or anywhere else in the He's not saying anything different, right? The, the basic premise is this. Paul is saying that you need to improve your vertical relationship with God. This right here, you and God, that vertical relationship, you can find the same pattern throughout Scripture. Improve, build your vertical relationship with God. How do you do that? Through prayer and through supplication. You know, that's how you do it. And, and in addition to that, don't forget the horizontal relationships either. Don't forget those. The horizontal is with other people. That's, um, that's your family, that, that's your friends. And if you got something, if you got off with, with any one of your family members or anybody in church, you need to, you need to get that right. Get that right. Actually, get, get, get your relationship with God right. Get that vertical relationship right. But don't forget about horizontals, you know, and especially the people who can actually help you when it comes to mental health, you know. Don't forget about those, those people, anybody that can help you, right? Because here, here's the thing. Here's what's, here's what's real. You know, some circumstances that you find yourself in, you don't want to talk to God. It's just, just, just be real. You don't want to talk to God. So guess what? You need those vertical relationships. You need relationships with, with your siblings, with, um, with the church family. You have to have those relationships. Somebody get a prayer through, you know. Obviously, you have to have discernment, but um, yes, you have to you have to have those relationships, you know. Because guess what? Guess what? You know, and, I, and I've been in this place several times before. What the enemy wants to do is isolate. That's you know, because guess what? In this world, it's going to be trouble. Trouble's coming. If you don't have trouble now, it's coming. It's coming. Guess what? And and the enemy wants to isolate you so you don't have those those um, horizontal relationships. If you don't got those together, then you're gonna, you're gonna be isolated. So we gotta make sure we do those things, repair relationships with you, with, with your sibling, with everybody. Amen. So does anybody have anything to add as we, um, we got 10 minutes? I just wanted to say something. When you were talking about the scripture, where it says here, um, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. Mm -hmm. That part was, is the Lord is near. So when you're going through your stress, he's right there with you. He said, because I'll never leave you nor forsaken you. And so that, that's also a consolation is, God, I'm not alone. It may seem like it, but I'm not because your word says that you're near. Mm -hmm. So that was just added to your gentle part. Or you can look at it another right. way. He's there watching you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He's in your presence observing everything you do. Because a lot of times in, in, when it comes to us in relationship to other people, mm -hmm. the focus is always what they did. Right. 
But God is looking at how we respond to what they do. <laughs> you know, he's going to deal with the other party yeah. in, in his own way, in his own time. Yeah. But at that moment, the, the clear thing for me to remember is he's holding me accountable for how I'm responding to what they Right. So he's there, <laughs> watching my and if you respond in respond a negative way, you definitely have more stress. It is, it's definitely more stressful. And stop beating yourself up with the, that cliche, I'm too blessed to be stressed. Yeah. yeah. You, know, you hear people say that and then so they pretend they're so, so connected. You just, you know, and you know, I, I started saying to people, I'm too blessed to stay stressed. Yeah. Mm, that's true. Because if I know where my heart comes from,
attitude, my attitude was, you guys didn't go downrange with me. Y'all don't know what happened. Y'all have no idea what, what it's like. You know, and, and, you know, and to be perfectly honest, the only people that I felt comfortable around was people who went downrange. Mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't even feel comfortable with people who was in the Army and didn't get deployed. You know, because for me, I can just go down, I can just go down to the VA right now and just hang with the older um, veterans down there. I mean, don't, they don't even have to be, you know, the same conflict. They could be some, you know, Vietnam veterans, you know, or, or before Vietnam. And I can just go with them, you know, and just have a conversation because it's, it's, it's like a brotherhood kind of thing, you know. You know what I'm talking about. Right. So. But um, does anybody else have anything to add? Yes, ma'am. Shake your hand. I didn't know that you were that bone. I thought you were very nasty. No, 
when you said it. I said, let me come shake my man's hand <laughs> and mess with him a little bit. That's right. That's all right. Please tell me. Mark. 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 Mark.